Uh, before we get into the text, I just want to start out asking a question. Has, uh, have you ever had anybody who seems like the only reason for them to connect with you is because they want something from you? <laughs> like, it, they only call if there's something they need or something like that. I had a, a guy I met, or it could be worse, like they develop a friendship for the specific goal of getting something from you, and then you feel betrayed. But I remember years ago, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, when I was uh, still kind of like in working in the country music, I was a worship leader for the church, but I made the decision, God put a calling on my life to be a worship leader, but still kind of had, uh, in the transition period, my feet in both worlds. And this guy I met at church, he comes up to me and he says, hey, I want to be a musician, and, and, I, and, I, and I feel like God's calling me to country music, and so we developed this relationship. Well, he'd cut all his demos in my studio, and, and I was still on, like, writing country songs, uh, not really pursuing a career that way, but still kind of writing and kind of had uh, relationships in that area. And Jen and I were going to move to Nashville, ended up staying in Kalamazoo. But this guy, we developed a relationship, and we write a few songs together. But I'd written this song called Part-Time Daddy. And it was, uh, it sounds weird to say that now, but it didn't back then. And uh, it... It was a song about a divorced man who really wants to be, you know, with his kids more, but he can't. So that's what the song's about. He loved the song. And he asked if he could record it. So he records my song. Well, then he moves to Nashville, and he's there maybe a couple of months or a couple of years. And uh, he calls me one day and says, hey, uh, I work out with Leroy Parnell, and uh, he's actually, Leroy was a, uh, a country artist. He's interested in doing your song, but the reason I called you was uh, I was wondering if you would let me be a co-writer in the copyrights. And at first, I, I, I'm stunned he's asking this. And I'm like, you didn't write the song. And he's like, I know, but I'm pitching it, and I'd like to get some. right. And there's a thing called, um, it's kind of like a finder's fee. I'm, I'm, um, it evades me what the term is called music in the music industry. But, uh, and I said, well, you know, you can have a finder's fee if he ends up recording it, but I'm not, you know, not going to give you my royalties. And, uh, and I told him, like, it's unethical you're asking this. And so you know, we kind of have it. But he would only call when he needed something. Uh, and I thought we were developing a friendship. I thought, but and, you know, it's time for I figured out, like, oh, it's really about, you know, what you know, what I can give to you. And then relationships are designed to be go both ways, right? It should be like a friendship or something. That's what I thought it was. It wasn't. Well, then he comes on a, here's a tour. He comes through Michigan. And uh, someone from our church happened to be at one of his concerts. And he comes, this guy comes up to me one Sunday morning. He's like, I didn't know you knew. And he says his name and he shows me the CD, his CD. And he has my song, Part-Time Daddy. And then it says, author, Popenhagen, and then lists, his name, and uh, and I mean it. It was. It felt like a deep betrayal. It, it, it felt like a violation, and and it really did. It hurt me. It was really hurtful. And we had to get an attorney, and not just a attorney. Like you need a music attorney. We had to get someone from Nashville to, and so letters were sent, and all of this, and so it was like a big ordeal. But it got me thinking. Isn't it true that sometimes we do this with God, like? Um, we seek his benefits, we seek his blessings uh, before we seek that relationship, more than the intimacy. And kind of the big idea today, and we've been talking about the wilderness, is the wilderness will always test your motives. And what do we want more? Do we want the presence of God, the intimacy with God, or do we want the promises and the benefits of God? You can have both, 
but there's a proper way, there's, which is an intimate relationship with God. It's what he wants for us. It's what he wants from us. So if you're just joining us, we started this series called The Wilderness and this is part three. Week one, we talked about that the wilderness is a uh, place that God is preparing us. It's not his rejection. It's where he trains us. He develops character. He's getting ready for the promised land. Everybody has to go through the wilderness. We exit in Egypt, thinking of the biblical story, and we go through this 250-mile journey to get to the promised land. That 250-mile journey is the wilderness, and we all have to go through that. Last week, we talked about that we can't shorten the, the extent of the time in the wilderness, but we can lengthen it. And how we lengthen it is through unbelief, uh, through um, complaining. We lengthen it by being disobedient, rebelling against God. We can't uh, uh, shorten the, the amount of time in the wilderness, but we can lengthen it. And so how we do that is we have faith even when it's hard. We don't complain. We keep pressing into God, and we obey him in the midst of it. Today, I want to talk about our intimacy with the Lord, an intimate relationship and so here's how I would say it today. The wilderness will, will review our motives. And uh, do we want the presence or do we want the promise of God? So today's story we're going to look at is, again, the Israelites are still in the wilderness. They're in there for about two months. So it's just on the other side of uh, getting out of Egypt. It's just on the other side of the crossing Red Sea. And within two months, the Lord says to Moses, get all my people together and bring them to the foot of the mountain. I'm going to speak to my people. And he says this. He calls them a treasured possession, which shows, uh, he says, I want to make them a holy nation. Uh, I'm going to make them a priest to all other nations. So he had a plan for them. Not only was he going to give them Canaan, the promised land, but now he's given them a purpose within the promised land. So the promise is the, the land. The purpose is going to be you're going to be uh, a priest to all the other nations. So they show up to the mountain. God begins to speak, and it's, it's massive. It's like an ordeal. Like the mountain itself is shaking. They're feeling they become afraid, and they tell Moses, tell God. Tell God not to speak. And it literally says they stood at a distance. So they withdrew from the mountain and they reject God's presence. And they said, tell, literally said, tell him not to speak. And they stood at a distance. There was an invitation, not just for Moses to hear God. He intended they all to hear him. But they chose to withdraw from him because they, they were scared. So what ends up happening Moses goes up to the mountain by himself. He takes a long time. The people build this golden calf in the midst of it because they think Moses is dead, and now he's abandoned, and Aaron, and the people start worshiping an idol. All of this is another rejection. So it's not enough to tell God to shut up, and I'm going to stay at a distance, but now I'm going to build my own idol in my own life, and I'm going to be my own boss, and all this in the wilderness. So another, another rejection. So we come to 33. There's getting ready to go into the promised land. So this is before what we talked about last week when God tells them they're there for 40 years. This is before that. And here he says, you can go into the promised land, but my presence isn't going to go with you. And it's interesting to me that God will sometimes give us the promise because it's what we want, it's what we demand. And he's like, I'm going to give it to you because you keep asking. You're not ready for it. They don't want his presence. They stood at a distance. They're rejecting God. And this is where we picked up. What I want to talk about today is how do we cultivate intimacy with God? Because Moses has this. And I want to look at that because there's a way to go through the wilderness. And we talked about how to respond to the wilderness last week. 
But today I want to talk about the real purpose of every season of Egypt, the purpose of the wilderness, and the purpose of even being in the promise is always going to be your relationship with God, his very presence. God wants to know you. God wants to speak to you. And we see all of this here in this text today. So they've rejected him. God tells them, I'm going to go. You, you can go into the promise, but my presence isn't going to go with you. The people actually um, somewhat repent of this. They mourn. They say, oh, no, that's not what we want. We actually want your presence. And then God tells Moses, well, okay, well, I'll give you my presence, but you can't go in yet. And then we see the whole 40-year thing happen. But in verse 7, this tells us we can see how Moses is intimate with the Lord. Verse 7 says this. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away. So that's getting away from distractions. That's what our 21-day seek was all about. Let's get away from the distractions. Calling it the tent of meeting. Why? Because he'd meet with God in this tent. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance of his tent. That pillar of cloud is the very presence of God. And we're seeing a precedent being set that when we go to meet with God, his presence comes. You're here today. Some of you have wept during worship. Some of you felt peace that you haven't felt in a long time. What is that? That's God's presence descending like a cloud coming on, on to meet with us. It says, we come and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. How do we cultivate intimacy with the Lord? As first off, we have to, like Moses, be intentional to have a meeting place with God every day. Be intentional about having a meeting place with God every day. Because what you're doing is, one, God wants to know you. The way we get to know people is we spend time with them. The way we spend time with them is we're intentional about how we're going to meet with them. And you create a sacred space for you and the Lord to meet together. This is how we get to know people. And it doesn't take... Um, It shouldn't take a lot of effort to want this. I think some of us, we think that meeting with the Lord's a chore. And when we hear this, we're like, oh, yeah, that's my obligation as a Christian. If you hear it that way, you're missing it. It's not an obligation. It's an invitation to be with your God, to hear him, to encounter him, for his presence to descend on your meeting place. He wants to do that. We'll talk about more about that in a minute. But it would be a little bit like... If uh, I viewed my marriage with Jenny as an obligation, like, okay, Jen, we're going to get together. How, how often do you want to do this? What, what, what's the least amount of time that we can spend together? You know, I want the benefits, by the way. I got to have the benefits. And, uh, but what's the least amount where I can keep the benefits and or you hear what I'm saying, right? Like, wait a minute. No, that's not what it's about. It's the relationship first. It's 90% relationship, 10% benefits. He who has ears, let them hear. Are you picking up what I'm saying? Could you imagine if I just said to Jenny, hey, I don't want to engage with you. Uh, let's, let's only connect uh, Thursdays, 7 p.m. Let's have a conversation. You, you, you know, but, you know, let me do my thing. You do your thing. It would, it would be laughable. 
And it's laughable that we think about God this way. Like, I don't think about my marriage as an obligation. I don't think about my time with my wife as something I have to do um, for the benefits. No, we have a relationship. We're encountering each other, and it's intentional. It's the same with the Lord. It, it's the same with the Lord. It's an invitation to be with him, and he wants to be with you. I feel like I walk with the Lord always. And we've talked about this in the past, different ways to meet with God. And in different seasons of my life, there were different ways. When I worked at Eaton Corporation, my seven, uh, you know, it was a half-hour drive. That was my prayer time with the Lord. I'd get up at 6-something in the morning to get there by 7 a.m., and that would be my prayer time with the Lord. Sometimes I would take my breaks at work and get alone and, and pray. Um, I'll share more of how, how I've done that. But the first thing is, is you just have a meeting place. What's going to be your meeting place? How are you going to meet with the Lord um, more? Let's keep reading here. So the first step is we have to be intentional about wanting to be with him. And it doesn't take effort. Think about like when you first start dating. It took no effort to think about that person all the time. And you know what happens. Right when you're dating, I don't know if this is a thing anymore, but it was in the you know 90s. You we didn't have cell phones, we had telephones with real cables connected to walls like phone lines, the real line. And you would you would have these really long. Every household had one phone that would almost stretch to any room from the center of the house. So you'd unplug it and you'd walk it way over to the other room, and then you'd talk for hours, no effort. Like you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. Right. Now you just take the cell phone and you, I'll stop it for you there. Um, no effort. You're very intentional. You want to be with that person. Why? Because you like them. They like you. We tend to feel like an obligation if we think God is all about law. If we think God is all about the must things we must do. No. He wants to know you. And we see this with Moses. And we'll see this in the next verse. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud, that's the presence of God, standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped. So they, Moses is an example. They're watching that. And, uh, but they're doing the same thing at their tent. They all stood and worshipped at the entrance to their tent. So they had their meeting place. And then it tells us something about Moses. The Moses, then the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. This is still true today for us, which is why Jesus says in the book of John, I no longer call you servants. You are my friend. You are a friend of God. Look at the next verse. Then Moses would return to camp. So he meets with the Lord, then he returns. Look at this next verse. But as young a Joshua, now this is fascinating to me, the son of Nun did not leave the tent. So we, we see Moses' pattern. We see all the Israelites had the same pattern, but there's this one guy named Moses, or Joshua. He would hang around and stay for a while. There are going to be moments where you'll have just everyday life with the Lord in your meeting place, but there will be some moments when we're going to need to hang around a little bit longer, lingering in his presence. So the first one is... Be intentional. The second one is, when you sense God show up in the pillar of a cloud, you sense his presence, don't rush it. Do not rush your time with the Lord. Because the lingering in his presence 
is going to prepare you for your future. The lingering in his presence is where you're going to hear his voice in a more intimate way. The lingering of his presence is where you're going to encounter him in a more deep way. And most of the time, those encounters are going to prepare you for your future. So I will sometimes get asked. Over, I've been in full-time ministry for 19 years now. Full-time 19 years. And then part-time two years previous. So I've been, but in ministry for about 25 years total, between volunteering and full-time. So I would often get asked, how did you do it? Like, how did you become a worship leader? How did you? And I can tell you it's three things. I've boiled it down to three things in my life. And it's pierce moments. So I've not always been this way. But in my pierce moments, it's these three things. Uh, intentional intimacy with God. There's faithfulness and teachability. These are the three things. Intimacy with God, teachability, and faithfulness. So I would, before I ever went in the ministry, and I didn't even know to go into ministry, and I'm not saying this is the standard. We see, we see everybody meeting the Lord and worshiping him at their tent, but we see this one guy, Joshua, who's lingering. And Joshua's the one who actually goes into the promised land. All the others don't. Their kids do, but that generation dies out. Joshua and Caleb are the only two, and we see something unique about Joshua. He lingers. He stays longer, and he's the one who goes into the promised land because I think he was more about the presence of God than he was about the promise of God while he was in the wilderness. So I, before I was ever in ministry, and I didn't even know I was called, I had heard this guy teach one time about how he spent two hours a day in prayer. And I thought, I'm going to try that. And I did it for like a year or so. And we, just be, we, we didn't even have a home yet. We were newly married, or maybe our first couple of years of marriage. And in the back of the, we lived in a trailer. We lived in a mobile home park. And I didn't have a mobile home. I had a trailer just to step up from a camper. A 1970 Liberty trailer. It didn't even meet 50 feet. I had the shortest one in the whole park. And I'm not exaggerating, shortest home in the whole park. And so it's 46 feet long. And I would go to the back of this and I would spend my, I work second shift and I would spend my first two hours of the morning in prayer to God. And I didn't even know what I was praying for. I can't remember the prayers. But the Lord had revealed to me in time over the years uh, that it was my two hours in prayer that had brought me to where I'm at. So I would pray those two hours, and I was building intimacy with the Lord. I wasn't praying for promise. I wasn't praying for purpose. I, was want, I just wanted to know him. I just want to know the Lord. And then I get invited into ministry, and my first day in full-time ministry, the very first thing I do is I go at 9 a.m., I would go and pray to the Lord. And it's been a standard that I've not stopped for the last 19 years as I start every day out. And it's usually, even now, still a couple hours where I go and spend time with God. Now, people don't know this about me, and I'm not saying that's a standard, because I think you could pray two minutes every hour. That, like, you could swallow that. Like, we could do that. We could set up, like, every hour, I'm going to pause and just ask the Lord to be with me. And I've done that before, too, in the past, where I would set a timer, and every hour I would just say a prayer to the Lord, because I just want the call to be. I don't want to rush my day and rush my time with him. We don't rush it. But I was in Ecuador in 2012, I think. And there's this guy from California. I had not met him. He was just part of the missions trip, and that's how we met was in Ecuador. And he, we would ride the bus together as we went and ministered at these villages. And one day, he's very prophetic, 
And he would just speak these words over people and administer to them. And one day he's chatting with me and he said this. There's no way he could have known this. He said to me, he says, the Lord just told me that you, you need two hours with him every day before you feel right. And I was blown away. No one knows this about me. Like, how could he know that? I've just decided in my life, I'm, and I don't, I don't do this well all the time, but in my purest moments, I really do want the intimacy of the Lord. I really want to be teachable before him. I really want to continue being faithful with what he puts in front of me. Because if you want to get out of the wilderness, the Lord wants intimacy over promise. You'll get the promise, but make intimacy the purpose. Intimacy is the purpose. The, the wilderness is going to reveal your motive. Because it'll be a time of pressing. It'll be a time of pressure. It'll be a time of dryness. It'll be a time where you're wondering where God is. And it's going to review. What are you going to be praying for? Are you going to be praying, Lord, use me and show me my plans. Show me the plans and show me my purpose. And the Lord's saying, I just want to show you me. I just want to show you who I am. I want to reveal who you are in me. That'll get you there. And that has been my success for whatever level I have had. Is because I have intentionally sought the presence of God. I've always wanted to remain teachable. There are moments I haven't been, and I've always wanted to remain faithful. All right, just keep reading because I'm running out of time. Almost done. Verse 12. So Moses said to the Lord, now he kind of gets honest with God. Now this isn't complaining. This is being honest. Saying, Lord, here's how I'm feeling right now. We talked about that last week. We can be honest with God. We just can't be complaining. He says, the Lord said to Moses, you've been telling me, lead these people, and you've not let me know whom you will send with me. See, he's a little frustrated. It's been eight weeks since, since we've crossed the Red Sea, and I don't know, have you ever felt like I feel this purpose, I feel the same, but God, the dots aren't connecting yet. And this is what Moses is saying. You, you, you've said, I, I, I know you by name, and I have found favor with you. If you are pleased with me, Teach me your ways. There's the teachability. And by the way, when he says, know you by name, that doesn't mean I know what your name is. It literally means in the Hebrew, an intimate relationship. I know you personally. That's what the Lord is saying. Moses, I know you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you're saying that you know me. And he says, if you're pleased, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you Remember that this nation is your people. So number one is create a routine, right? Have an intentional meeting place with the Lord. Number two, don't rush. Don't rush your time with the Lord. And number three is this. Invite God to speak to you. Because that's what he's saying. Lord, teach. He's asking the Lord. He's talking. He's having a dialogue with the Lord. Teach me your ways. I want to know you. I could think of all kinds of stories. I'm not even looking at my notes. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> because we create a space every day, a routine. It doesn't have to be two hours. It's just my life. It's just what I want with the Lord. And when we do that, and if you ever feel it like, oh, he's here, don't rush it. And you just say, Lord, teach me. When I was in a wilderness, I, I was still leading worship in Kalamazoo. I had a sense that the grace of leading worship was lifting. I didn't know I was going to 
plan a church or pastor or anything, but I had a sense that something was going to change in my life. And it was about a 24-month period of me trying to figure it out. And I feel like Moses like, Lord, I know something new is happening, but I don't know what it is. And, but I would get in that space, and I would ask the Lord this simple question. Probably once a week or a couple times a week, I would just say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? That's a great question. I think we're all about the complaining part or all about the frustrating part and just throwing that on to the Lord. And he can handle that. He can handle your frustrations. But there needs, because we're not rushing, there needs to be a moment where we sit in his presence and we simply listen. Lord, what do you want to say to me? And you may ask, well, how does God speak? Hebrews 1 tells us he speaks many ways. He's unlimited in how he speaks. Job tells us he speaks one way, then another. In other words, we can't always figure out how God speaks, but you'll know because we cultivate an ear to hear him. That's why we're saying create the rhythm, don't rush it, and then let your ear speak. Let, your, let him speak and have an ear to listen. But you must pause to do that. But the primary way is, I would say, peace. Like a peace comes on you. A lot of us are kinesthetic. We have a feeling or like a, some type of impression. The Lord will lead you. Some of us were very visual, so the Lord may give images. Uh, some of us, it is auditory, so he actually, you hear phrases or words in your mind. And like, how do I know what's God and what's me? Uh, you you learn by taking the risk on the obedience part. So if you feel impressed to call somebody, and you don't know, was that me or was that the Lord? Just call. It's a risk. Just make the phone call or reach out to the person as you feel like the Lord's prompting you. And you begin to learn what's him, what isn't, what was your flesh, what wasn't him. You can learn his voice. You learn it. But you must ask. Like, he says, Lord, teach me. I want to know. You can know the voice of God. It just takes time. I've used this illustration before. I have uh, an 18-month-old granddaughter. She was hearing us the day she was born. We were communicating with our granddaughter, speaking to her the day she was born. The moment you become a Christian, God starts communicating to you. But I don't know what he's saying. It doesn't matter. He so loves you so much. He, you can, like, we just can't comprehend him yet. But he is speaking. Now, our granddaughter is starting to say sentences. Not really strung together ones, not paragraphs. But, like, put it back, you know. He's, like, just three or four word sentences she's able to understand us better she knows what no is she knows like we can there's the communication has deepened why because we're investing time with our granddaughter we're speaking she knows us she's starting to call us grandma and grandpa that's very recent but we've always been grandma and grandpa and it wasn't her ability to finally comprehend what we're saying that started the communication it was the time together this is how you learn to hear God's voice. You, have the, you, you develop the, the rhythm, the meeting place. You don't rush it like we're going to spend time together. And we start talking. And eventually it clicks. Eventually it clicks. If you're not hearing God yet, 
Keep stepping into the meeting. It's been two years, Mike. Keep going there because eventually it clicks. How do we have intimacy with God? One, we daily do it. We daily meet with him. Number two, don't rush it in the moments you feel like, I think I need to pause here. I think I need to linger here. That lingering is going to prepare you for the future. Three, just ask. Lord, what do you want to say to me? And sit and listen. All right, the band's behind me, which means get done. All right, the verse uh, 14. The Lord replied. This is the most beautiful part of the whole story. I love this. Remember, it starts out saying, my presence is not going to go. I'll give you the promise, but I'm not going with you. And Moses saying, I don't want the promise over the presence. Here it is. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you. Because you're asking, I'm going to be with you. And I will give you rest. Isn't that what everyone wants? You want rest. You actually don't need the solution. He'll get you there. You want rest in the midst of the struggle. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us from here. Let me say this. If you don't know your next move, you may even have an idea But you're like, I don't know what God has next for me. Don't move. You want his presence on whatever you're stepping into next. And so you may be in a bit of a wilderness where you're going to have to spend some time wandering and just waiting on his presence to mark you for the future. He'll lead you, but don't move without him. And this is what Moses is saying. I do not want to move if you don't go. Uh, Let me find my place. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else? This is powerful. What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people from the face of the earth? Church, what makes you different as a follower of Christ than any other religion or any other entity, any other program The presence of God is what distinguishes us from anything else in the world. The Holy Spirit is in you. The presence of God wants to be with you. It's a distinguishing mark of God's people, which is why you hear us say often, we will be a praying and worshiping church. Why? Because the prayers and worship creates environments for us to encounter the very presence of God. When we encounter the presence of God, we start getting guidance from that very presence. His presence is him. The presence is Jesus. If two or three are gathered together, there I am. There's a difference between the omnipresence, which means God's everywhere all the time, than a manifested presence, which means it's personal for this moment. When the cloud would descend, when he would go in that meeting place, that was for that moment. It was a manifested presence. It distinguishes us from all other religions. No other religion claims this, that God will be with you personally, in you, speaking to you. You have the Holy Spirit. It's a distinguishing mark for us, and I'm excited about it. And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do it. I'll do the very thing you asked. Ask. You have not because you asked not, James says. Because I'm pleased with you, you will know my name. Look at this last thing. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. That word glory literally means weight. It is the manifested presence of God. And we might not get it like Moses did, He gives it to us in the way that he knows how we need it. 
So the last one is this. Invite God's presence into your life. And his very presence will lead you. I'll give you one example, and then we're going to pray. When I knew we were going to plant a church, we were at a conference in Alabama. And we had the afternoon to ourselves, so we found a state park. And we were by this lake. Jen and I found a picnic table. And we didn't know, we didn't t- no one knew. Our, our families didn't know. My kids didn't know. A couple key leaders at the church, that was it, and Jen and I. And we would go by the lake. We still had another year before we moved to Jackson. We sat on this picnic table. And Jen and I just start praying to God of everything about we're in the wilderness. We don't know how we're going to make money. We didn't know where we're going to move. We didn't know how we're going to sell a house. We didn't know how to tell our kids. We didn't know how our family would respond, how our church would respond. We've been at that church for 17 years. It, it was a thing that we were leaving because we were pastors there for 17 years. So it was a big, a big thing. And we're asking, we're just throwing out all this for the Lord. And I, I think it maybe been 15, 20 minutes of prayer. And this is probably the most tangible in my life I had ever felt God fall this way, but we felt a weight come around us. It was almost like someone put a blanket over us. You could feel the weight of God's presence, and I start weeping. And I don't know if, and literally like am tingling too. And I asked Jen, I said, do you feel that? She says, yes, and we just start weeping. What's happening? We're encountering the presence of Christ. And he didn't tell us, here's how you're going to tell your kids. Here's how they're going to respond. This is where the money's going to come from. This is where you're going to live. Here's how you're going to communicate to the church. And they're going to, He says none of that. But that weight of his presence coming on us, that moment is all we needed to encounter to know it's going to be okay. We knew two things. It's going to be okay. It's going to happen. So we didn't need the how. We didn't need the solution. We just needed his presence. God, show me your glory. This is how we get through a wilderness. The main purpose of the wilderness will be for you to know him more intimately. And in that lingering, in that encountering of his presence, in the season of the unknown, you get a sense like, we're going to get through this. We're going to be on the other side of this. It's all going to work out. But we have to go there. So what do you want more? Because in the season of the unknown, the season of the frustration, all of that reveals our motives. Do I want the solution and the purpose and the promise? Or do I want his presence? And then all that gets added to you. You want his presence. Let's stand up and pray.